Welcome to Pure Awesome Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we are on episode 62. Yeah, and this is the second level up episode. It is. It's the also the Orlando No Headphones episode. Yeah, it's all right. And it's, if you, I don't know if you noticed or not, it's it's the Mike No Glasses episode. That is true. So, you know, I, I thought I had to compliment Mike's look if you're watching us on YouTube. Yeah, Just, I, I don't have glasses today and it's not because my eyes miraculously got better. Uh, it's because I was moving all day. You're going to get some totally... LASIK in Vegas during eBay open or something? Like you, you hit it big on the jackpot and you're like, I'm going to do some, some LASIK? No, that would have been nice. Uh, that was definitely not the case, but you know, just working hard and I put them down somewhere and forgot them. So I'm blind as a bat, so I can't see you uh, very well, but I will, I will pretend. No, I don't know. I'm sure you're a sharp looking guy as, as usual. So. I, I try. So, Hey, we're actually, are, are you recovered from uh, eBay open? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because I came home. Uh, my flight took off at like five something in the morning, 555 from Vegas. Uh, I landed her, Yeah, I landed at seven and then I had a really important meeting that I had to be at at nine, which took quite a bit of the day. And then uh, hopefully I could talk more about that meeting, you know, in a, yeah. our next episode, uh, some opportunities may be coming up. So something to keep an eye out for. But um then it was just moving like our, our studio now, um, I will have to do like an inside scoop of the studio um, is, is just full of my inventory. It is now my warehouse. So Yeah. And we'll talk about this more on the update episode yeah. too. We got, we have actually, it's been a long time since our update episode. It's been a ton of time. It's been, a, I mean, maybe not time, but maybe it's been like several episodes since our last update. Which is time. If you think about right. it. I guess so. But that's the thing. I don't have my headphones because they're still in the luggage that I have not unpacked since the eBay opened. eBay opened. We just got home yesterday, but we needed to drop this episode. We promised we would drop this episode as soon as we got back on Sunday, because we needed to finish the second half of The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah, and we started talking a little bit more once you uh, got in here. So um, two things. One, um, let's recap the the first. So if you didn't listen to The Richest Man in Babylon, part one that we did, uh, and you're interested to hear more about it, uh, go back and check it out. Um, there's, I, I felt like some pretty interesting stuff in there, some some mm-hmm. good stuff that we were able to take away. Um also some some fun arguments so i think it was pretty good i think we should play a clip on instagram when you go you're just wrong orlando no yeah, and just well, move on i think I should, we're going to that was a good mic drop moment <laughs> mike maybe, dropped the you're wrong maybe mike should have gotten dropped moment Ooh, Ooh. That's Ooh. Um, now things are getting violent i don't like that <laughs> all right. um all right we're gonna so um but yeah so go back and check it out but we're just quickly if i were to summarize it up into two points um well, let's hear you. What, what would you say the two points are? Uh, I think to me, there's just like one main point. It's investing yourself in the sense that 10% you need to save. That's it. I mean, you have to live on a lot less. I mean, you can expound it, right? Yeah. But basically you have, you need to be able to live on a lot less than you make so you can invest and you can, you know, build that wealth. Yeah, no, that's huge. I think, I think that's probably the number one point of the entire book is, is, at least save 10% for yourself. And I've heard this said other ways before. One way was like pay yourself like you're a bill, right? Like Mm -hmm. figure out what your check is each month and pay yourself uh, 10%. Like as soon as you get a paycheck, it's like write the check. I mean, who writes checks anymore, right? Like Mm -hmm. transfer the money into a separate bank account and just say like, all right, my, my water bill is this, my Netflix bill is this, my bill to myself is this, right? And just save that money. Um, And then you're actually building wealth, right? You're not just accumulating items, but you have capital, you have money that you now can do lots of things. with. So yeah, I think that was, that's hundred percent the main point. Um, I'd say the second point that was made is don't just save that money, uh, but make that money, make money for you. 
right? So invest in it, right? So for a lot of us, that's investing in our own business, um, but then taking it a step further even is, is potentially diversifying into different types of investments, uh, making sure that you are, you know, prepared to um, make that money, make more money, right? So, so I, was, I was always pondering this. So when it comes to reselling, right? So there's two ways you can go about it, right? You can like say, hey, I'm going to make, and maybe this is kind of the same discussion we had last time, right? So, you know, you make that Amazon money, you make that eBay money, right? And you're doing well, mm-hmm. right? So what are your thoughts? Are your thoughts are, do we reinvest all this money back into the eBay and Amazon business? Or do we still take that cut? And let's say we go into stocks, we go into an IRA, or we find other ways to build it. Yeah, I think I think you should do this the the latter, the second one there. I think you should um you should invest everything that you can invest back into your company and consider that investment. Um, but I think diversification, and I kind of talked about that in the the platform too, is or the second part of the book is is it's crucial, right? Being able to have your money in lots of places uh provides a sense of security. Um and also it, you know. If you consider the fact that, you know, you're giving yourself a paycheck out of the money that you're making off of eBay. So put already what you're putting into, into your company's reinvestment and whatever you pay yourself, take 10% of that. No, I get that. I just you think know? that's the hardest part. And the reason I say that, and I'm not saying that you're not right. I, I think you are right. I, and I would say in my 20s, I so wish that every time, you know, at our workplace, we had the meeting with the financial mm-hmm. people. I always skip those every single time. Right. And, I, you know, they always show the numbers. Hey, if you're 25 and you yep. save this much, this is where you're going to be at 40, where you'll be at 50, right? But, you know, when you're young, and when I was young, I feel old saying that, I'd always go, I can always make that money later on. Yep. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm going to just push all this money back into my business. I'm not going to do anything with it. And then you get to, you know, being 30 and you still have that same mindset. I still had that mindset. Then you get to 35, then you get to like 40 where I'm at. And you're like, I, I've lost 15 years of investment. Which is huge. And one of the reasons why they say start early, um, and, and it's it's always different depending on the market and depending on what interest rates are and what type of stocks and, and bonds and other investments that you're involved in. Uh, but the kind of the rule of thumb is, is the average market or if the market is doing okay, is that money doubles every seven to 10 years. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you were to invest $10,000 today, then seven years from now, that $10,000 is 20,000. Which means 14 years from now it's forty thousand, which means 21 years from now mm-hmm. it's eighty thousand, right? So, what, so what that I'm 21 saying, years yeah. is going to come, and you're turning ten thousand into eighty thousand. You know, if you invested early, now you could say you can make ten thousand dollars later in life, but are you going to be able to invest eighty thousand dollars 20 years from now? Well, that's the change Ooh. in mindset, right? Yeah. Because in my 20s, I would say, oh, I could definitely make that 10, or I can make that 20, mm-hmm. right? But you also have to remember it takes a lot more work than just letting it sit. Yeah. Well, it takes more work. And with the compound interest, it's $80,000 potentially 21 years from now, not 10, right? So mm-hmm. you might be much better off in your company and, and you're in your reselling and whatever it is, but the ability to take $80,000 is going to be, you know, that's a lot. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I just push that because if you're in your twenties and again, we are not financial advisors. We claim no liability to be scholars in any of this. We are not financial professionals, but I can tell you from experience, if I was in my early twenties, actually, if I was in my late teens, I would have started this long time ago. Yeah. Right. Cause when you're 40, you still have a lot of life left. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
Well, unless something happens, but you still have a lot of life left. But the reality is you'd be in a far better place. So if you're listening to us and, you know, you're of those younger years, definitely something to start thinking about it now. Again, you're not it's it's all about delaying that gratification because you're going to see that and you're going to go like, I could do so much more with that. Yes, it's true. You may be able to. And maybe you get to your place in a business that where you can actually choose what you do. But the money works for you a lot better the sooner you start. The yeah. sooner you start. Lessons I wish I had applied in yeah. my late teens, early 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, <laughs> somewhere in between. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 one of the hardest lessons for anybody to learn, honestly, is just taking advice from people who are older and wiser than you. Because, yeah, when you're younger, you hear people say these things and it's hard to take it uh, to account. But that's one of the reasons I love reading books so much is if you're willing to say, you know, what, I might not know everything. And maybe the, this these people and if you kind of check that it's a credible source and, and other people have f- followed it and been successful, you can say, you know, um, I'm willing to say maybe this person knows more than me. And so that's one of the reasons we're doing this level up review. Uh, and I think those two first um, points kind of summarize the first part of the book. And I think the second uh, part of the book, depending on the version you got now, we, we kind of need to apologize <laughs> this, for this. This one. got kind of tricky. So I was trying to be very clear that like, hey, we want to get you the most affordable book. Like we didn't want anyone to have to spend, you know, more than 10 bucks on a book. So I ended up opting for the mass paperback version, the link. Unfortunately, not all versions were the same because Mike and I are talking about the book today and Mike is sharing some stories. I'm like, what stories? And and I've Rigid Man in Babylon is something I think I read years ago, but you know, you forget about things and I thought things were all the same, especially when it says, original classic edition mm-hmm. now maybe yours isn't the original classic could edition. be could be the expounded version or yeah something. maybe yeah. something that was added on so in this level of review we're going to be talking about some of the same concepts but there's going to be some things that mike may add during our conversation that were not necessarily in the version you collected but still truths that we can share and discuss throughout the time that will still be very applicable uh to the reading yeah i mean that that's kind of the point is <clears throat> we'll go through the first part the the first part that we had uh, my edition and Orlando's edition. I think this is good because no matter what edition we would have picked, there's a good chance that listeners out there have a different one, right? So I think this way kind of covers both, whichever one they, they you end up having. Uh, but uh, the first part is the same. So we'll talk about that. And then what we'll probably do is I'll just kind of summarize the the little anecdotal stories. I guess they're going to be Mike's story more time. Of like metaphors. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pitch it over to you and say like, what do you think about it? And what are, <laughs> what are do you spot. have some examples? Yeah. Put you on the spot because you you are not prepared at all for that part. No, I'm not, and that that that's where I put my foot in my mouth. That's okay. Which I'm sure I have multiple times. It just seems to happen more lately. So maybe the quote of the week this week should be "Think before you speak." Well, I guess no, so. I'm just all right. Kidding. So all let's right. get started. It's been a while. People, have been, I, you know, the worst is when you tell people you're going to do something and you just keep holding it off and holding it off. So let's get started. Let's get started. All right. So uh, the first part going into oh, did you have meet the goddess luck? Yeah, we talked about that. That was actually in the in the last. Mm-mm. No, there was a whole section after the seven. Well, there was a reference to it earlier yeah, in the book. But there's like a whole, there's like a whole long, long, long section in my version. No. So if you have that part in your book, tell us in the comments below. Tell us your thoughts about it. We we're interested because that wasn't in my mass paperback edition. Yeah. All right. So talk to me a little bit. I, I know what it's about because they already talked about it before. Okay. You don't think I do? No, I know you. <laughs> Right, but but 
But the point, the part that you read was like a little tiny like sentence. This is like a but long. But it was powerful. It is powerful. Yeah. So, okay. um, anyway, so meet the goddess Luck. Um, so basically, the story comes where Banzer is, is sitting there, and uh, lots of who's people, Banzer again? So he, he's the 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 richest man in Babylon. He's the guy kind of teaching people how to be. Is that Arcad? Oh, maybe it is Arcad. I don't know. Whatever that guy's name is, right? The richest man in Babylon teaching people how to do this. And so people come to him and they're starting to ask him questions, right? Okay. And in a group, they kind of start talking about like, hey, I found um, I found like some money in a field while I was walking. Like, I want to celebrate. This is great. And then it kind of leads to this discussion about luck and what role luck plays. And I think that this is a good thing to talk about kind of in a little bit of depth as far as reselling. Like, what, what role does luck play? And so one of the things that I think you're right, it is Arcad. One of the things that Arcad explains here is um, he starts to ask other people, like, how many of you have had the same experience where you found a good fortune of money just sitting on the side of the road that's free for the taking and nobody else raises their hand, right? And he goes on to to try and find other examples. Well, how many people do you know that that have their success because of just random luck, maybe gambling? Like they've gone and they've they've bet enough times on the, you know, dog races or whatever. I think we saw plenty of non-luck at eBay open oh, with that one. Yeah, that we did for sure. All right, keep going. Um, and so anyways, the story kind of just comes along with multiple examples of this idea that luck isn't something that comes to people who wait around and just by chance. In fact, he kind of explains like gambling is a good example. If you're just betting on the roll of a dice, uh, you might win one out of seven times, but you're going to lose six out of seven and odds on every game are different. But but the odds are always going to be in the house's favor, right? The odds are never in your favor when when you're always. Always. I mean, that's why those casinos are built. Right. And so, yeah, you might have people who can say like, hey, I won. Like I, I have a friend who's obsessed with gambling and, and is very convinced that like they're just lucky and they, they, they're way ahead. But when I start to talk to them, it's like they'll tell me a story like, yeah, I won seven thousand dollars last time I went to Vegas or last time. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. But then when you start really digging in, it's like, well, yeah, but the time before I lost four thousand and the time before that I only lost three. But I made four the time before that. And and you start to add it all up and, and you come out below, right? And there will be one out of a thousand or a hundred or whatever that comes out ahead, but but it doesn't seem to be odds in your favor. Whereas the idea that comes here with the goddess of luck is um, it's better to work and have opportunities come to you. That luck is more of when you're working and you're diligent, opportunities kind of show up. And if you're willing to jump and act on those opportunities, then you become fortunate. It, mm-hmm. it, it's fortune when you're working and things happen. So do you have any examples like in reselling where you're working really hard and like doors open up because of that? No, it's hundred percent. It's all the time. I mean, it's, I'm not a, I, I think, yeah. Do I think there's a possibility for luck? Sure. I think the odds are very opposed to that in the sense like you're not going to walk into, you know, the store that shall not be named and find, you know, like that person. And I think this was in the news two years ago. They found some nautical watch from like the 40s or 50s that was worth like 50K or something. Like, or somebody that one time they picked up a sweater that Vince Lombardi owned and they were watching a TV commercial one day and they're like, wait, we have that sweater. Mm. Like, chances of that are pretty rare, right? But the chances of, you know, I, I have, it happens to me all the time where, you know, for every, you know, hundred business cards I give out, it's those two or three phone calls that I get that, re, you know, end up being those major book buys that I can, I end up making, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. I've, I've had even bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Right. But 
luck had really nothing to do with it. It's hey, being consistently out there and saying, hey, my name is Orlando. I resell. You know, if you want to get rid of all the stuff at one shot, I'm here for you. I'm willing to pay, you know, a, a decent price. And that helps. Or the person that's going to garage, you know, we talk about garage sales, right? Every Saturday, you've had some major scores. I'm looking at your Department 56 score, right? But that's, you know, that wasn't every Saturday, right? But you had this one big Saturday and it brought a huge return. Uh, and same thing with, I would say with pretty much anything, you know, it, it's being consistent, right? Cons uh, you know, opportunity lands on those that are consistent. And I think though, and I don't want to say those, but I think if with that mentality of like, well, some people are lucky, I think that I would be playing the victim if I said that. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it is, there are, especially in today's day and age where you have so much more access to hear about people who have extreme uh, opportunities through just luck, right? Like somebody who wins the lotto or something like that, or, or inherits something crazy and ends up being worth a bunch of money. You know, you hear those things, but in the reality, like if you look around just the people that you know that are very, very successful, almost none of them got there by not working really hard. Right? But the five almost laws everybody. of gold actually addresses that. And yeah. That's a terrible thing. Like landing upon major money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, could we go there for a little bit? Just a second. Let's finish up the meet the goddess of luck. <laughs> well, well, like my guide this discussion. All right. We'll finish your goddess of luck. It's not my goddess of luck. It's the book uh, review. All right. All right. In the book that I don't have. Anyways, all right. So what happened? Wow, you're getting kind of pouty over there. <laughs> I don't have your version of wait, the book, so wait, I don't wait, want to talk about positive. it. All right. So what happened with the goddess of luck here? Okay. So, um, so just a, a couple of quick quotes from from that section. One is, um, it says this: She's a goddess of love and dignity, whose pleasure it is to aid those who are in need and to reward those who are deserving. I look to find her not at the gambling tables or the races where men lose more gold than they win, but in other places where the doings of men are more worthwhile and more worthy of reward. In tilling the soil, in honest trading, in all man's occupations, there's an opportunity to make profit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good, right? Like it doesn't matter what you're doing if it's good, honest, worthy work. I like kind of that terminology there. Like it's worthy work that opportunities come. But do you think, okay, let me throw this out there. Do you think there's a fine line though uh, you know, between like, hey, as long as you keep working hard, things are going to happen. Or you may keep working hard, but you may be working hard at the wrong thing. Yeah, that, that that's absolutely the case. And I think that's that's kind of one of the things they talked about here is it's not always the case, but it's almost like the odds are switched. So in gambling, the odds are in the house's favor. In hard work, the odds are in your favor, right? So is it possible that you come out below multiple times? Sure. But if you're continuing to pursue things and look for opportunities in the long term, most people doing this are going to be successful, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it's the odds are switched. So instead of the one in a thousand being super successful through gambling, it's one in a thousand not being successful through hard work. I get it. I, I just think one of the bigger pieces there that I think should be also be applied is the idea of being self-aware, like understanding, you know, it's all the time, you know, when we were teachers, right? You know, we get all the time, uh, you know, my child for eight hours worked hard on this project and they still got a B. Well, it's yeah, because they did B level work. Right. Right. And you have this one individual who spent an hour and knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. Right. And the reality is, is that that person that knocked out of the, out of the park played to their strengths. Right. Like there's a very they understood who they were. They understood, you know, what they needed to do. And it wasn't that difficult for them. 
Yeah, the right. the task aligned with their strengths. Correct, right? And that other person, it didn't, and there may be a sense of entitlement. So that's something you got to be aware about. Is that I know I know it, and maybe you might disagree with me, but I think just working hard isn't enough. I think strategically understanding what you're good at will land you those opportunities. Right. I'll give you an example. I mean, there's there's times that I find in my own reselling world that my strengths are definitely more in the eBay world, more in the vintage items world than that where with Amazon, I guess I don't have that. Uh, I hate saying this. <laughs> I guess I don't have that entrepreneurial back against the wall. I'm willing to risk 5K just to make you know a few dollars on an item kind of mindset to be able to scale. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather be slow and steady and slowly build that wealth uh, just because that that's that's how I function, right? So I'm very self-aware. So I'm able to achieve success reselling because I'm able to understand, okay, these are my strengths. These are not my strengths. And whenever I try to be like somebody else, I end up working hard and not getting very far. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a great point. I think, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there that it's, I guess just to clarify, when we just say hard work, it's not like just go out and move rocks for no reason, right? Like <laughs> it's too. not just hard labor. It's it's do think, be smart, right? Like use use the strengths that you have and 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 be wise with the decisions you're making. But but if you're sitting on the couch complaining that you're not successful, you only have yourself to blame. If you're out there working really hard day in and day out, day in and day out for years. You're gonna look back and say, "Look at where I've come." I well, love your chances are already more likely you're gonna be successful. No, but right? that's the whole point. Is yeah, it's the opportunities. Um, like I love the memes where you see or the pictures where it's like somebody standing at the top of the mountain and people like cheering them, and then the road to the mountain is like you know like sharp sticks the whole way and they're barefoot walking up, and it's like people don't see the hard work that it often takes to get mm -hmm. to the top. You know, so I think that's a lot of what was saying here, and then it gives several examples of one of the key things it says is act quickly. And it gives some examples of people who had opportunity come to them, uh, but were delayed taking that opportunity and missed it. Right. Mm -hmm. So then one example it gives is there is a, a person that had sheep outside the city. They had too many of them. They had like some emergency came up and the opportunity was, Hey, I'll sell you all of my sheep for like a, an eighth of what they're worth. Or I'll give them basically to you for free. Like it's, it's still going to cost you money, but I've got to go and I can't take care of them. And the person thought about it and said, let me think about and wait till the morning. The doors open up in the morning. They did the research. They said, this is worth it. I'm going to go buy these sheep. By the time they go back, the person sold the sheep to somebody else and it was too late. Right. And so kind of the idea was luck in some ways is opportunity that comes that you have to be willing to act on when it's there. Because if you don't, then you're going to be looking back and say, I missed my opportunity. No, I agree. I agree. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I, I'm just thinking about, you know, now that I, I'm in 18, I've only been 40 for like over a week, but I think about a life where, you know, how many times did an opportunity occur? Right. And I didn't walk through that door or I didn't contact that person or I didn't, you know, make that investment. It is tough though. I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, we'll talk about it with the five laws of gold. Like, who do you trust? Yeah. Like, you know, how do you know? Like, if it's an area you have no background knowledge on, then, you know, I would say the richest man in Babylon is very much against it. Yep. Right. So you got to measure that out for yourself. I, I would say 
you got to be ready to strike when the time, I mean, we know that in our own businesses, right? How many times have we just made a major purchase and it turned out really well, right? But I think that happens more than less if you're consistently out there doing stuff, yep. which applies yep. goes full circle to what we started the conversation with. Yep. Absolutely. And one last quote to finish up the goddess of luck was this good luck we do find often follows opportunity, but seldom comes otherwise. So the key story or the key takeaway here is um, don't rely on luck. Don't blame luck. Don't be that person who says, I'm just not lucky. Um, luck is opportunity if you think about it. And opportunity often comes when you're working hard and you're out there and you're doing it. Uh, and it almost never comes otherwise. So there Indeed. we go. All right. Five laws of goals. What do you have for us? What do I have for you? Well, there's plenty to talk about with the five laws of gold. And it's, it's kind of interesting because... I feel like we talked about a ton that are ready or before, uh, but, it, but I thought it was interesting. You know, I can relate to, to all of this so much growing up. So growing up, my, my parents grew up in, in the 80s when like the economy was like booming, right? So my parents bought a house in San Francisco. They, they got a station wagon, which back in the day was like next level, okay? With the wooden panels and all that. Right. I really, you know, I have no rags to riches story. I'm not even rich, but I don't have a, you know, I was poor kind of like my parents did pretty well. Uh, and, you know, on um, uh, and pretty well for me. It's funny because I thought I did pretty well until I dated somebody and they said, uh, Orlando, this is what? And I, to me, well, they called you out for, for well, I, I guess you call it hood rich. I don't know what you call it. All right. But to me, I thought things were good. You know, I never, I never went without a meal. I actually had more meals than I cared to admit. Uh, you know, my parents bought me a car when I was 16. My parents helped me paint my car. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would say I was spoiled. Like, things that they did for me, I don't know if I could do for my own kids. Sorry, kids. Like, in the sense that, you know, I, I take a look at page 90 if you're looking at the mass paperback version that, I, you know, <laughs> doesn't have some of the items that Mike talks about. But, you know, I had... It, they had met and no mister. I want to make sure I say his name right. Right. Had addressed a young man because the, the, the day was like everybody was trying to get wealth and, and estates ready for their kids. Right. For their, you know, the new ones coming up and said, Hey, my son, it is my desire that thou succeed to my estate. Thou must, however, first prove that thou art capable of wisely handling, handling it. Therefore, I wish that thou go out into the world and show thy ability both to acquire gold and to make thyself respected among men. And I think about that because, you know, a lot of the practices I do now were practices that I probably could have done in my 20s had I not been given everything. Right. I, you know, I'll be real. Like part of my college debt that doesn't exist is because of my parents. Right. They helped me out with that. And now I don't even use the degree that, uh, you know, well, I do. I will be teaching a little bit again. But it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's this principle of like, I think we get very stuck in and maybe I'm wrong. Right. But growing up, I was always like, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make money. So then my kids will never have to. Right. And I'm going to give them everything. I'm going to provide everything. I know I'm talking to. I get. I would say maybe an older crowd, unless you had kids when you were super young. 
but I look at it now and I, and I, and I, and I look at, uh, my own, my own, my, my own two boys and I go, wow, I have definitely created the sense of entitlement. Like it's my fault. It's on me. And it's, it's one of those things that Gary talks about all the time. Like, you know, baby boomers complain about millennials, but hey, and not baby, is it baby boomers that had millennials? No, it's the Gen Xers so. or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. But in the end, like they raised them, right? Those of you that millennials, like I know a lot of you that aren't entitled groups of people, but there are many of you that are. And if you are, part of it's your fault. Part of it's your upbringing. Like you were given the sense that like you deserved everything. Everything was given to you and you never had to show your ability to make that money and to maintain that money. And, you know, part of the reason that it took so long for me to finally have this financial stability was that I didn't have to. Right. So and what, why am I, why am I saying all, all this? I, I think there has to come a time where all of us have to on our own. Right. It talks about here that it took 10 years for, for that individual to lose all their money and then realize they weren't doing well. And eventually the five, right. They, they had been given the five laws of gold, but they still ruined it. Am I, am I right? Am my timeline? Is my timeline off? Yeah, no, that's right. So he was basically given money as a test. Like here, take this money, take this gold with you out into the, the world and be successful with the gold. Come back and prove that you can be successful with it. And then you will inherit everything that I have. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say all that because I definitely believe that things got better for me when I was poor. And what I mean is, so when I, and I'm, I am this related to the book, but when I first got my first teaching job, I moved to San Diego. I had no car. I had no furniture. I had, I had nothing. Right. But over time I learned to manage the money. Right. I, I was paid. I was less than paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of people came and helped and provided furniture. And I was able to carpool with someone over time. And it probably took about, I want to say about a year. And then somebody gave me a car. Actually, a student of mine had their grandparents and they wanted to give me a car. And, and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't Lamborghini or anything. It wasn't anything crazy nice. But for me, it meant the world to me. Right. I appreciated that vehicle. So to me, I think there's much value in the slow and steady than in the get rich quick. Yeah. And I think I think it's kind of a cool concept that this this section starts with is almost this test of go out and prove that you can not only be successful with money, but become wealthy in the eyes of men, like have esteem, be be somebody that people look up to and value. And I think that is as as a good almost guideline for parents is to do with your kids. But he doesn't just send them out with no hope blindly, right? He gives them these five rules and says, follow these five. Now, of course, it's probably not best to wait until your child is about to leave and say, here, let me give you advice. You should probably be doing that while they're growing up and teaching well, it's them. Just, it's a story. It's a story, right? And it's teaching a concept. And so um, these five rules aren't followed at first and and he kind of fails through. Uh, but uh, do you want to go to the story or do you want to kind of explain the five rules? Well, have we talked about the, if he had to offer the clay tablets with wisdom or the gold? That's at the end when he comes back. Interesting. See, in my my book, it's early on. Mm. It, the story is well on. All right. So we can hold on. See, no, it's go right for there. it. Like, well, no, I, I think it's interesting because right now, you know, I think about that and I go, okay. If somebody said, hey, you know, you can meet with, I don't know, let's say Warren Buffett. Right. You meet with Warren Buffett and he's going to share with you how he became rich and how to do it. Or we'll give you a million dollars. 
What would you do, Mike? You said a million dollars? A million dollars. A million dollars or meet with Warren Buffett and get wisdom of the ages. I, I would take the million because I've read almost every Warren Buffett essay and and work and stuff article that he's put out. Uh, so I pretty, so you think you know you pretty much know what Warren Buffett would if say. If I had a million dollars, I would follow follow Warren Buffett's value investing methodology, and I'd be good to go. Okay. Um, yeah, but I I get where you're going with that. Yes, it, it, I think a million dollars is a lot, and I think Warren Buffett actually, now that you mentioned him, had a good point when he talked to a bunch of students, and he said, um, "What if I were to give you right now, and it was a high amount, like five hundred thousand dollars, but then you have to give me ten percent of what you make for the rest of your life." right? What would you do? And he kind of said, like, if you take that money, you are putting a limit on what you think you're worth, right? But instead, if you're willing to say, I'm going to follow these principles, I'm going to become more and I'm worth more than this money. And that kind of is that along that same idea. And he, you know, you can learn such valuable things. And wisdom is what allows you to make that money and then actually use it properly. Okay. You know, it spoke to me about this free selling community, right? Because there's so many avenues, right? There's the avenue of, you know, you can just do nothing and just research on your own, do things on your own, right? Or you could watch YouTube, listen to podcasts like ours and figure things out. Or you can shortcut all that and buy a course, right? Or you can pay somebody to mentor you or you could do the phone call thing, right? If if you think that's actually a shortcut. I don't know if it always is. Well, I know. Well, I, I mean, we'll talk I, about that I, I in a little bit. I think, I think that goes with our one of the laws of gold. But... What I'll say about that is when I when I looked at that and I thought about that, I I thought about the idea that, you know, I think many of us so quickly, you know, want to scale our businesses. We want it to be next level. And I wonder if maybe, I don't know, I, I'm just getting really philosophical. Maybe is it in our best interest, right? In the sense that like you know, let's say, Mike, you end up, <laughs> you buy a course and you end up making a ton load of money, right? But then you don't know how to do anything else. Like you weren't taught, like you were taught to make that money at that time, but you weren't given the tools to make more. You know what I mean? I, I Well, I think, I think what needs to be clarified there, though, because when I hear course, and I know there's different types of courses, but I think of it as you are learning something. That's exactly what you're trying to do is get wisdom. Now, if what you're being told is here is one one program, fill in the blanks here. Here's one item that you can buy. You're going to get rich off this one single item. Then you're not learning skills. But if it's a course that teaches you skills, step one, step two, then at that point, I think you are doing what we're saying is important is getting wisdom. Okay. All right. That's good. I just wanted to, you know, delineate that. So, all right. Let's go into the laws of gold. Let's do it. Okay. So first law. (laughs) If I can get to it. Why don't you, uh, that's right. Oh, here you go. Gold cometh gladly in increasing quantity to any man. Whosoever will put, <laughs> Mike keeps adjusting the mic. If you're listening to a podcast, that's why I'm laughing. If you're watching the YouTube, you just saw that. All right, let's start all over. Gold cometh gladly and increasing quantity to any man. Whosoever will put, buy not less than one-tenth of his earnings to create an estate for his future and that of his family. Yep. So did you get the sense that it's just saying if you do that, you're going to get wealthy? Yeah, I think, I like think it's, money's, it's, re- like the it's reiterating that law key of attraction point. of money. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even think it's so much that, but like you cannot ever become wealthy unless you're saving. You can't because if you're just buying, if you're just buying um, liabilities, you're buying more stuff. See, I think that I agree, but I think it'll be interesting down the road when we read books that disagree with that. 
and I I understand that there might be books that say like take out loans in order to invest. Yeah, and all about liquidity and and not keeping your money stagnant and stuff like that. Right, fair enough, but but it's still you have to the idea of wealth, at least the way it's being defined here, and I think it's important to always find that is money that you have available, right? So if I bring in $100,000 a year and my lifestyle costs me $100,000 a year, then at the end of the year, I've lived a $100,000 life, but I've got $0, right? Mm -hmm. I might have a lot of stuff. I might have a new car that's going to last me a couple of years. I might have, but if I make $100,000 and I only spend $90,000, then at the end of the year, I've got $10,000 that I've invested in other things. I've got sitting in bank accounts, or maybe it is liquid and it's able to go wherever I want but I've got $10,000. So now year two, I go and I get $100,000 and I already have $10,000, right? So that's what wealth is. Wealth is how much are you actually worth? And that's that's what a lot of times banks look at when they go to loan, right? Like what, what is your actual net worth? And that I think is what it's saying here with wealth. It's like how much money do you have in checkings account, savings account, liquid assets, and real estate, right? Real property. That's That's what net worth is. And so wealth is defined by this book you can only gain wealth if you are in some way increasing your 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 liquid assets. Okay. I was going to go into liquid assets and real estate, but that's for another day. All right. So that's a pretty easy yep. law. Okay, let's go to the second law. Gold labor diligently and contentedly for the wise owner who finds it for profitable employment, multiplying even as the flocks of the field. And again, I think these are the same principles as the yep. first part of yep. the book. This is part one and two, the the re, re what we reiterated at the beginning. Uh, save money and then make sure that money is being put to good work. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many ways to do that. And, I, you know, some people use the Robinhood app. Have you heard of the Robinhood app? Yeah, I love it. Do you use it? Yeah, it's great. It's one of the few, really? it's one of the few ways oh, that I'm you interested. can invest without having to pay um, broker fees. It's, it's amazing. So you've used it consistently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And has it panned out? Yeah. Can you tell me your stocks? I'm just joking. No. No. Okay. Well, actually, I I, I don't mind because I I, I do no, the you, Warren Buffett method yeah. and I buy when the value of the stock is trading lower than the actual real value of the stock. So right now, if you're to buy it, you're not going to be gaining the same wealth that I got. But you know, nice. Okay. I but, see. But yeah, Robinhood. That's a good one. Why do you bring it up? No, I just I was wondering. Like uh, you know, I again, I always learn new things about Mike. So I've always gone down the safe route. I've always gone like you know, you go to a financial advisor, you go to you know, certain companies and that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I'd rather go to people that I, I trust that are also going to want to make money off of myself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not going to go to somebody that, you know, cause I've had people approach me like, Hey, Rolando, I got this in on this thing and da da da. So you're moving on to like rule number three. I guess so. so yeah. I mean, it, but it's part of rule two. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of rule two and rule three, I, can, I think kind of brings into that point. I mean, you're, well, basically rule two is you got to make work. your money work for you. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's nice to have a savings and maybe, you you know, you make two to three percent or whatever your interest is on it. But you could do so much more with it. Yeah. Right. And again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just relating with you about like, hey, there's possibilities to do more with it. All right. So what are you going to say about rule three? Yeah. Here? So rule three is just what you said. Gold cling it to the protection of the cautious owner who invests it under the advice of men wise in its handling. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't be. If somebody comes up to you uh, and just like it in the beginning of the book and they're like, hey, I've got this good deal that I'm going to be able to get on a bunch of jewels and it's going to be amazing. But they're like an IT person. They know technology. Probably don't take their advice on jewels. Right. But if if they're coming to you with some software stuff and they say, hey, here's this new software program that's coming out. 
Now it's different because now it's somebody who might be wise in that area, specifically mm-hmm. that area. And so, yeah, I think using, making sure you're using, if you are at a, but a I nine think, to five. I think that's rampant in our community. You don't think that's rampant? Oh, I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. So we'll be careful. But are people just saying like invest here? Like, invest like take this program, like even though they haven't done it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I, I think you need to vet sources. I think you need to be clear because, you know, there's different ways to make money right so for instance for us like we have our little mini affiliate links mm-hmm. right which we made we made i think like ten dollars since we first put yeah. them up maybe and that's because a couple of you bought a light box i think that's pretty much it all right but you know there's other places where like you know what happens and i think most of you are aware in social media is that when you build enough of an audience right you can capitalize on that audience and just say hey i really believe actually I'm not going to go there. Okay. I really believe in this. You should buy this. Mm. Even though, you know, that person may have no experience with that, right? Maybe you've had some connection with that individual and you really don't know the outcome of it, right? So you got to be careful with that. And it's, you know, we get approached ourselves sometimes with stuff like that. So you just got to be careful. Like, and, and I'll be very clear with that because again, it, to me, it's it's better to win the long game than to try to shortcut it. And maybe it's not a shortcut. In the end, it may be steps backwards if you don't play it right. Yeah, and I think that's why, I mean, it's always good to say, go see a financial advisor. If you're not comfortable with spinning, I mean, just like reselling, getting into stocks is a lot of work and research. And, mm-hmm. and you got to, if you're willing to put that work and time in and become, you know, well-versed in it, go for it. Otherwise, yeah, putting it into a 401k, putting it into... The S&P 500, right? The Dow, where it's like, this is a widely diversely um, diversified portfolio where, you know, all of the the thought has been done for you. I mean, that's not a bad idea, right? You, you should definitely talk to somebody before you spend, invest money in any way. But you should be probably, if you're saving 10%, taking some of that and reinvesting it so that that 10% is doubling every seven to 10 years, right? And going back to this idea of making sure that you're putting it in wise hands. Um, I mean, we, I know we talked about Warren Buffett a lot, but since you brought him up, um, one of his philosophies is he never buys a company unless he a hundred percent understands the company, like understands the company well, that's and, step, yeah. and believes in the owners and what they do. Right. So he never invests in technology. I think one of, I think Berkshire and Hathaway ended up buying a little bit of, of Microsoft, but for the most part, he never got into technology. He made a lot of money on McDonald's and Seize uh, Candy, right? Because mm-hmm. he knew those industries. He understood the owners. He he valued what they did. And so he never invested money where he wasn't, wasn't sure. And technology was somewhere he didn't feel confident. And so that's not where his money went. And I think that's a good advice for all of us. If you aren't sure, um, you know, and you're, you're not with people who know, maybe you shouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like common sense, but I got to tell you, when you're in the moment, yeah. And like, when you have money, those opportunities, like people will come out of the woodworks to, to sell you ideas. Oh, I have, I have, I have, I know I can think of someone right now that constantly is offering me like, Hey, there is this deal move on it now. And then I'll do the research and I'm like, no, I can't like, yeah. there's too many variables. Right. And I, and you know, then I'll get pushback like, well, aren't you an entrepreneur? Don't you want to take risks? I'm like, yeah, but I want to take calculated risk. Like I'm. I, I guess I'd rather be in my humble abode, you know, than risk losing it. Not not that I would, right? Because you got to be wise and then you got to have savings and, you know, you got to have a good amount of time that you can go without employment, say the market were to tank or whatever. But, 
it's one of those things that you, I agree with you. Like, unless that individual that is sharing that knowledge with you is in the details, or I would say, and I think I can't remember where in the book and maybe I'm reading into the book, but is willing to invest of themselves, Mm -hmm. right. Or guarantee you that no matter what the outcome, you will still end up here. Like that, that's a very cautious move you need to make. Right. And I know we're being super vague, but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, this, this isn't a podcast though that says like, I mean, one, we're reading the book, which is pretty, it's just giving vague principles, which yeah. are good, but it's definitely isn't like, Hey, go invest in AT&T, make sure that, you know, the stock's hot. Yeah. You know, like that's not what this is for sure. Um, yeah. And you're right. I did jump into to point four, which is gold slippeth away from the man who invests it in business or purposes with which he is not familiar or which are not approved by those who are skilled in its keep. <laughs> the second part is even worse. I can understand the first one. Like, yeah, if you invest, you know, in something that you're not that, you know, you're not familiar with. But if the people that are familiar with it are they're against it, they're against it. Like no matter how much green you see, no matter how much money you see, unless unless one of you that are listening have had it happen where you just went in and you had no idea what it was. And the people that were for it actually understood it were against it and you still did well let us know in the comments yeah and i think i think that does happen but just like the the idea of the goddess luck and and the gaming you know gaming tables that does happen but the odds are not in your favor in that you know (laughs) hungry game status yeah all right hey before we move on though hey real quick i just want to say hey if you're watching us on youtube or if you're listening to a podcast and you're not following us on instagram Make sure to follow us on Instagram. We are Puroso Podcast on Instagram. We're always dropping some kind of knowledge or updates or, you know, when we're the next episode, if we do something special, is going to drop. Uh, you know, we had a lot of eBay open, like stuff that we dropped on on instagram that we didn't have time for in the podcast so it's just something to be aware about we're also on twitter where we are pure hustle cast we're also on facebook pure hustle podcast if you want to give us a call something you agree with something you disagree with something you want us to share uh 619-738-1170 at 619-738-1170 you could also shoot us an email pure hustle podcast at gmail.com and uh as always hey if you have any book ideas we're open to it uh you know and uh below there's a link uh if you ever want to say thank you and maybe the level up review helped you make some wise financial choices, which we had nothing to do with. The book did, but not us. We're just, you know, translating what the book has to say into practical advice, which we don't give advice. We just talk about what the book oh, says geez. is advice. Okay. And uh, hey, you know what? I'm trying to be careful here. And hey, by the way, what's the next book we're reading? All right. So we decided we want to kind of try and mix things up and and provide as much as much content that is going to be helpful for you. Um, and we're going to do more finance books as time goes, but we don't want to just do finance. We want to do something kind of on productivity. And, and there's a ton of good books out there. Um, I've read a lot of awesome ones, but there's one I haven't read that has a lot of great reviews. We have and, no idea about it. Yeah. So uh, it's got a lot of great reviews. People talk about it highly. Uh, and I've listened to the guy's podcast a few times. He's a really smart guy. Uh, so we're going to be reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Um, again, we've never read this one. So you know we can't say whether or not it's great, but um, that'll be what we do on the level up review. We'll we'll read through. We'll talk. And we'll about make sure the, to put the right link to the right book that has. The same yeah, content. we'll make sure to read the same one. I, I was doing the Kindle version because it was the cheapest. And, uh, but you probably you know, here's the thing. I thought I had the cheapest, but you went Kindle. I went cheaper. I just don't mm. like reading from a screen. I don't like it either. But uh, but I just assumed you know that would be um, 
you know, the easiest for this. I get it. So, hey, next book, Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week. Plus, I live in a I live in a fifth wheel now, and so my library I've already had to shrink down. I almost cried getting rid of books. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. That's that rough. is brutal. Did you send them into Amazon? No, no, none of them. I mean, they're all valuable to me, but, yeah, but not valuable it. enough for that. So, um, all right. Rule number five. You got it ready? You want me oh, to read it? Me, no, I'll read it. Gold flees the man. Oh, are we done before? Are we just done? Like, are we already good? Is it pretty clear? Like, hey, don't. Listen, here's the thing. If you're uneasy about something, just don't do it. Are you, are you big on like being intuitive and instinct and following your gut like no. are you not no, no I'm, you're not huh i'm a hundred percent logic over emotion so am i but would you say going with your gut is emotional yeah i i would say if your gut is being backed up by facts then i'm all good right if i've got a good feeling about something and things make sense the numbers make sense yeah i'm all in but if so it's weird. if it's just like Oh, I feel like I got a good feeling on this. I should do this. No, no. I'm not talking about feeling, but I will tell you. Well, that's what gut, what do you think gut means? Gut to me means like when you verify all the facts and you. Well, then like, you're not going off your gut. No, you know, because there's still like this, like I've had. Okay. So here's what's funny about Mike. So Mike is, can I call you reserved? Sure. Okay. And I'm very like, we're going to make this happen. Right. Like I'll keep pushing. I'll keep pushing. I'll keep pushing. And Mike will tell me, don't do it, Orlando. We shouldn't do it. I'm like, no, we're doing it. Right. Is that how we function? Yeah. Okay. Right. That's that's I mean, it happened plenty of times that eBay opened. Yeah. Right. But as I get older, man, I feel so old saying that I'm only 40. I got plenty of life left. Okay. As I get older, I keep telling myself that so I feel better. As I get older, I get to this place that like, hey, once I've looked at all the facts, I've run through all the scenarios. Like no matter what Mike will tell me or no matter what anybody else will tell me, I go with it. And I find that lately, maybe nine out of 10 times, it ends up working out. Yeah, but that's a silly thing to say because you just said after you verified all the facts, gone through all the, like you've done all the research. So if you've done the research, of, you're not going Even though I've done research, I've had people say, Orlando, you still shouldn't. But then and you're I'm going like, off no. of somebody else's gut. Now, if they have facts and reasons too, that's very different. Right. But if you're if it's just like, I don't think you should do that, but you've got the, the data and, and research to support the decision you're making. Yeah, that's not going up. I, I don't think anybody who says I made the I made a gut decision says that after hours of research and thinking and confirming. Right. Like that's like I, it could have gone either way. I'm going this way. Right. That's a gut decision. Yeah. But if it could go based on the facts, it could go either way. I go with what I think is. So best. you're saying the facts are unclear. Sometimes. Okay. So then yeah, sometimes you do in the unknowable when you, when you so do it. So you're saying it's like 50, 50. Yeah. Facts, say like I'm going to fail 50% of the time. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather go at something and fail at it. And that's just where I'm at. I guess, I, I guess I'm just in this place where I'm like, no regrets. Like I'm going to make this happen. So anyways, All think right. of our podcast. We had no regrets. We're like, we're going to make this happen. Yeah. So anyways. Okay. And we made it happen. That's true. Hopefully you're still listening. Okay. All right. So number five, gold flees a man who would force it to impossible earnings or who followeth the alluring advice of tricksters and schemers or who trusts it to his own inexperience and romantic desires in investments. See, again, common sense, right? Like 
Yeah, it's, it's not it's, deep, but it's yeah. And the hard thing though too is like you said, like emotions run wild. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast. My dad is really gullible, and he fell into a lot of the get rich quick schemes. Um, and you know, looking back, like I could tell him, and I think even still, he kind of convinces himself that it, it could have worked, type of a thing. Like he did one where he bought into a um, an advertisement in a newspaper, which was like send oh, in, send in twenty five dollars, and we will send you like a, a method of making thousand dollars a week at home, um, stay in your pajamas, right? So he sends in the money. He gets to the advertisement company. He gets a packet. He opens up the packet. He's so excited. He's like jumping around the house. Like I'm going to make a thousand dollars a week. And in it says, put an advertisement in the newspaper that says the exact same thing that it said with your address and people will send you $25, right? Or another one, he did one of the, like the pyramid schemes with like send everybody on the list, you know, $1. There's only six people on the list, but then you put your name on the bottom and then it goes up. And those are actually illegal. But then like the one we had was like explained like like lawyers, like this is all legal and and anything like that that's too good to be true, you should probably watch out for and be careful of. Um, and I think what makes our listeners like why we don't even have to cover this too much is if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you know that there is no get rich quick, right? You're out there but, grinding okay. and hustling and working. Let's rewind a little bit though. Do you think that reselling comes off that way i think that there are people who i think there are people who try and do you think do you think okay when i approached you right and i would go like look at what i sold i'm like do you think did i come off that way like hey mike you're missing out like i'm making this money and you're not like you need to get on in on this no i i think i think maybe like some people can can come off like that um but i I, I don't know of anybody who wants to look at somebody and say, like, look at how wealthy and successful I am. And it's easy. Most people who are successful are the first ones to tell people, like, I work really hard. I've earned this. Right. And it's the same thing with you. When you would tell me about, you know, like, look at this item I sold. I, you would also tell me about, like, yeah, I was at the store. I, you know, I went to bed late because I was shipping items. Um, can you bring more boxes? Like, I knew how hard you were working. And so I think that there are people, not the average reseller, I think there are people who target resellers with, you know, do this thing and you're going to become really wealthy and that, that people will will buy into that. But I think, I think resellers themselves know how hard it is. They know how hard it is. And most people who ask like, oh, you know, is it something I can do? Like, we'll say like, yeah, but it's really hard. You think that, you know, your nine to five is hard. Like I hustle all the time. You know, I mean, if you mm -hmm. look at the the handles of so many of our, our listeners, it's, it's a lot of like grinding and, and hustling and, and working. And because that is what, what this is, you know? Okay. I just ask because, you know, I, I do think there is the, you know, living the dream or getting rich within our own community. I think our community sells it very much. But you're lot. saying our community, but I think that there are a small minority of people. Okay. So the, the larger tribe, I, I don't know. I, I think about it. It's kind of like I had a conversation with my brother. And my brother has, you know, every time I try to tell him about this, I even go, hey, I got a podcast. Just listen to, you know, again, he's my brother, so he's going to automatically not want to listen to my podcast. Yes. Right. But I try to tell him, like, listen, you could level up like you can make a few hundred dollars a month all the time. Right. Selling used shoes. Yeah. Right. And then he'll go, bro, are you really are you really making money? Like, seriously? Like you went to the thrift store and you made money. Right. And I, I think 
I think we just got to be careful how we package it. I, I don't think Pure as a podcast is an issue of packaging, right? Because I think from the very beginning, we're like, this is going to be a work. This is going to be a lot of work. You will fail and you will win and you will fail and you will win. And you, you're better off listening to the podcast so you don't make the same mistakes we do. Yep. Right. But I do think other scenarios, it's like, hey, you know, scale your business from one to 30K. Yeah, but, right? but that's not, I would say that's not most resellers. That's like a handful of, I don't know if you'd call them influencers or like gurus. People, yeah, people trying to sell something. Okay. So like, that's not the community. That's like a small portion. But because they have a broad audience, because they reach a bunch of people, it might seem like that's the community. But that's like, or that's they may one not. Or you people. sometimes get those messages from those Instagrammers that have like a hundred people following, and it's like, oh yeah, we get messages all the time from people who like want to sell us something, like, and 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 if you want to like partner with us with something, like we'd love to hear, we'd love to help you, we'd love. Yeah, we're you always to help open us. about it. But they're they're the ones we get, which are very clear, like, you 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 you're trying to sell us on the dream, like you're trying to give it. Like we know how hard this is, yeah, and and we could tell, you know, we could tell a scam from from. You know, not scam. I hope so. I, yeah, I hope so too. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> All right, but I, I agree. I agree. I, I think, again, I want to reiterate the reality of this, that I think a key tool is when you get approached by something and it sounds really, really good, it's good to seek wise counsel. Yep. I know it's common sense, but I'm telling you, when you're in the thick of it, like, you're not going to want to. You're going to, and you're going to be like, hey, I don't want to share this with anybody because what if they also want in? You know what I mean? And so you just got to be careful. I, I can tell you, I don't have a lot of examples because I have not, I don't think I've taken many risks. I mean, I've, I mean, the craziest risk I've done is maybe like on a roulette wheel or something. Do you know what I'm saying? But I've never, which is stupid, but I've never taken a risk as far as on a business. I've always been the slow and steady guy hmm. and it's, and it's been okay. I've been that, okay. That's good. That that's that's opportunity, right? Hard work. Um, so yeah. So so kind of those five laws. He gets those five laws, and the sun goes out, and he basically is used to this lavish lifestyle, like you said, and he basically breaks every single one of those rules, right? He doesn't save any money that comes in. He spends his money. He invests, but he invests poorly in people who don't know, and he loses it all, right? Which is crazy because he knew them. Yeah, he knew. Well, he he had read them, but there's a difference between knowing something. And believing it, right? You know, like he 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 knew what those laws were, but he didn't truly appreciate them. And and I what what I loved about this section was that the guy that he spent the rest of the time saying, you know what, from nothing, I'm gonna follow these five laws of gold for however long this period is. And he ends up making back the exact same amount of gold that his father sent him out with, right? So he doesn't end up making like he doesn't double, triple, quadruple the money that his dad sends him out with, but he goes from money to nothing to building it the right way, right? And that's valuable. I think I think that shows something. And in fact, that is what ends up being the lesson that he says when he goes back to his dad with this money and he says, you sent me a bag of, you know, the gold from our town or gold from our country. I come back with the equal amount from my country. Here's my story. I lost it all. Then I learned. And what I've gained was wisdom. And that wisdom is way more valuable. And I've gained respect in the eyes of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I mean, here's the other thing, too, is you got to understand, like, whether it's reselling, whatever it is that you're doing to try to break the nine to five, you may end up in the same place. You know what I'm saying? So I can tell you right now, I am full time. 
I'm actually doing better, but I'm not, my life hasn't changed like a hundred percent, but my ROI of being happy and being anxiety free and all that good stuff has skyrocketed. Right. So you got to think about that too, that sometimes making it on your own and being your own boss, even though it may take more work and you're exchanging, you know, the taskmaster of your nine to five for the taskmaster of eBay and Amazon or whatever, you know, Shopify, whatever your platform you're using, or maybe you're not even using a platform. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're an entrepreneur that's making money another way. In the end, you got to think about it's not just that money. That's the ROI because you can make the same amount of money and you could be way happier with the same amount of money. Yep. So just something to think about. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, do you have anything else you want to add about the five five laws of gold? And then after we do that, I've got a few quick little short stories to kind of um, bring a few different points. I don't know. I, I This is going to sound silly. Do you remember Rocky? The movie? Yeah. Do you try to forget Rocky? Is, this, is our audience that remember Rocky probably? I'm sure they do. No, remember, I, I know. Remember, I mean, remember everybody when knows. Rocky lost everything? There's a couple of things. I, and so you're talking like round 14, he stands back up like that. No, no, no. So there's two things. Like, I think there's the one part where Rocky, when he was in, I think it's like Rocky one or two, like he makes a lot of money. Right. And, and he just goes and buys like all kinds of crazy randomness. And then in part five, I think it's part five. Oh, there's that many. Yeah. And there's actually more than five. He lets Polly, his brother-in-law, Adrian's brother, like he ends up with power of attorney and like some uh, investment guys approach him and destroys all like it. So eventually he has to fight later on to like make his money back. Anyways, I, and it's interesting because I read up on that. I just wanted to share this. Don't ask me why, but Sylvester Stallone actually wrote that storyline. And he wrote that into the storyline because by Rocky five, he realized what he had financially and that if he didn't, make a wise choice that that money may not always be there mm. and what is playing out in rocky would actually play out in his own life yeah right and if you know anything about sylvester stallone whether you know you love him or hate him he's done all right for himself yeah and, right and, and it's much easier to lose money than it is to make money that is 100 percent true 100 percent true but it's, it's just one of those things to think about is that all it takes is a few bad choices it's a few bad people that you trust in again, gold law number five, and it could end. So again, common sense, but play it through. All right. That's all I got. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Um, here's a couple of quick things and, and I'll, I'll just give you kind of the summary of it and then it'll be easy to talk about. Uh, so, uh, gold lender. So in the gold lender, a guy uh, comes, he gets a, a, a fortune, right? Like a small fortune, 30 gold pieces, I think. And it's more gold than he's ever had. It's like um, every year he only makes one gold piece. It's like 30 years, like almost like a lifetime's worth of money mm -hmm. all at one time. And he decides to go to the gold lender uh, to ask advice. The gold lender's like surprised that he's there. And he's like, well, what, you know, what do you, do you, are you here for money? And he's like, no, I want your advice. And the gold lender makes this claim, which is really, I think, powerful, which is Nobody ever comes to me and asks for advice. You are beyond wise for doing so because I can show you how to become very wealthy, right? And so the reason he asks for advice is the guy who came across all this money's like wife's brother had an investment, right? 
I need you to invest in my company and I promise you, you'll get X amount back. And so he asks the gold lender and the gold lender had a box that he kept of trinkets. Every time somebody um, got a loan through him, he would take an item as collateral, right? Something valuable of theirs. And when they paid it back, he would give it back to them. And if they didn't pay it back, he kept it. And one of the reasons he kept it wasn't just he never sold any of them, but it was a reminder of the story, right? Of who this person was. Was it a good investment or a bad investment? And he starts to go through story after story about some people who were able to pay back the loans and some people who weren't and which ones were bad investments and which ones were good investments. Um, but he ends up basically saying um, a couple of things here. One is when it comes to investing money, people will come out of the woodworks when you have money and want to borrow it. 100%. Right? 100%. One of the things is, don't invest all of your money in one place and know the risk of each investment. Right? I use a program um, called uh, Lending Club, um, and it's a program where I'm able to like lend micro loans. So I like somebody wants like a twelve thousand dollar loan for something, I buy one note of it. So I buy twenty five dollars of that loan. So I'm only paying twenty five dollars of that twelve thousand dollar loan. A bunch of other people are paying the rest. So I can with a thousand dollars, I can invest in hundreds of loans, right? Not just into, I'm not putting a thousand dollars into one loan, but mm -hmm. I'm over hundreds of loans and lending club also does. We're not, not sponsored. sponsored. Not at all. <laughs> Great minds. I don't even, I don't even necessarily recommend them because I've been pretty successful on them, but, but I've lost some money on, on some loans, but they'll rank the loans. So based off of a person's credit history and employment and all this stuff, if somebody's solid, they get like an A, but you get less interest rate, right? So like you might get 6% interest on an A loan, but if the note is ranked like F or E, these even some of those, it might be like almost 30% interest, but there's a higher chance of that going in default and you're not going to get your money. So basically one of the lessons that the gold lender gives is spread your money out. Don't put it all into one place and recognize that there are going to be risky investments, which aren't always bad, but the reward needs to be worth the risk. It's a terrible idea to invest in an F rated loan if you're not getting that 30%. If it's the same 6% as an A loan, don't do it, right? So you need to evaluate every opportunity to invest your money. Um, and and so those were just a bunch of stories. But the, besides that as the takeaway, and this is kind of what I want to talk about, um, is um, this idea, I'm going to get the quote really quick, um, the idea that gold brings um, fear, responsibility, and opportunity. Um, so it says this, gold bringeth unto its possessor responsibility and a changed position with his fellow men. Agreed. Uh, uh, it's like anything it's, it's even, I would say even with power, like the, the like totally Spider-Man, right? With great response, with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> so. with great gold comes great responsibility. But people, but it's both. I would say with money and with positions of authority, things change. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I have experienced more of the position of authority than the money, but you know, you, you, I guess you just got to be careful. I mean, you, you gotta, you, you have to have. Man, I feel like we're giving like more than money advice here, but I would say I only have maybe two or three people that I would trust whatever is going on in my life to. Right. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because, uh, I don't know, I, I, I would say the money thing is definitely because I know people that have become very wealthy and then they just went dark. And I always wonder like, what happened to mm -hmm. those people? Like, right. They go. And then I would meet them and, I'm like, hey, what happened? You know, so and so. And he's like, listen, Orlando, the moment like I had that investment and I started making all this money, all these people that, you know, and we talk, you see this all the time in culture now, all, all these people that were kind of my friends 
Now we're wanting really to come friends. over for dinner all the time, yep. right? Because they always had something to pitch, something to push, right? And or they expected me to take care of things for them, right? So, you know, I think it's it's very profitable to have those people in your life before you get to that place. Yeah, have the. I think that's I think that's a great point. Having having that strong group of friends who you know you can trust, um, whether there's money or there's not money. I think that's good, and then. Yeah, I think that's tough because one of the things I think a lot of of, the, of our listeners are doing, I think I think there's a good portion of our listeners who are are trying to have more time with their family, more free time, and wealth is like number eight on their like list of like I need right. Mm-hmm. They, they're they're trying to for other things. And then we've got some of our listeners who are like that's like number one or two, and that's okay too, right? Like that's where you want you want to make the money, you want to have all the opportunities, and it does wealth brings opportunities, uh, but. It is kind of a kind of a scary thought to think that it also will change your position amongst other people and the way people view you. And you've got to be okay with that, too. You've got to be okay and understand that, um, you know, people will treat you differently and maybe that's what you want. But then you also run that risk of who do I trust? Are people taking advantage of me? And so wealth isn't just like a panacea that just makes everything in your life better. Like it will come with its own responsibilities that that you need to be prepared for. Kind of sound like Puff Daddy a little bit. Do I? More money, more problems. More money. More problems. <laughs> I don't I know. Like that. That's good. I just, it, it, it's what, I don't know. I don't know why, why why we went down this road. I know that's what the story tells, but it, it's very key. I can't tell you how key it is. And, and I have right now, I can think of like three people that I've spoken to since I was like 18 that till now I can, you know, share my soul and we're good. Mm. Right. So even when I've been at my worst or at my best, you know, that relationship doesn't change. I would say, you know, I don't know. Can I, I want to share about the reselling community a little bit. Do it. Mike and I, we're, we're, you know, we're very big on, we don't share our personal numbers. Right. And you're okay mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Right. And what are some of the reasons we don't? I mean, part of it is I don't want to create a, one, a sense of competition or try and give false hope to people. Right. Like, that I'm making this, therefore you can make it too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very big on, I've got my own my own goals, my own objectives, and, and my own uh, willingness to work for certain things and sacrifice certain things, and you have to have your own. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe for me, success means $1,000 a month. Maybe it means $5,000 a month. So if you look at me and I say like, I'm so successful, I'm doing this, and then you say like, I make 10 times that, it doesn't devalue what I'm doing, right? Or same thing, like maybe I'm making more than you are, but that doesn't mean I'm, you know, trying. So we don't share those numbers, I think, for for some of those reasons. Yeah, and I would tag along with that. Another one is we don't want relationships to change, hmm. right? So whether you're a $10 million seller or a million dollar seller or a hundred thousand or a $10,000 seller, we want our friendship and our relationship with you to be the same. Yeah. Right. I don't want to treat you any different based on how you skilled or how you haven't skilled. And I think I think the danger that happens and I didn't see this at eBay open eBay open. Everyone was like, awesome. I don't know. I for the most part, you know, I can't think of any relationships that were kind of awkward because people are like, oh, I make this much, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But it's a very real possibility. Right. And all the reasons you had listed, I 100 percent agree. And it's. I always say that I, the reselling community is the only place where people openly share what they make. Like, yeah. I, I can't think of any other profession. Maybe I'm off. 
I know we had talked about like teachers do, but that's because they're on a public salary yeah, scale. Yeah, a salary scale. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and typically, I think there's two things that can happen. One, you're sharing numbers and it's for pride, right? And it's like to, to, to like one-up somebody. And I'm not saying that if you're doing, if you share numbers, that's why you do it. Or it could be it, to validate who you are too. Yeah, but it can come across that way, right? And, and you know, when I hear that somebody's doing really well, and that's the thing too, is like, I'm not opposed to people sharing numbers to me. I met so many people at eBay Open that's like, <laughs> I turned this like nothing yeah. business into like, now I'm bringing in $10,000 a month. 35,000 square foot warehouse. And I'm like, yeah. Like I'm inspired. I want to hear more. Tell me your story. How did you do it? And I think it's great. And I do think it validates. Like if if you come to me and you you do say like, look at how much I'm making, you know, we're willing I do, to listen. I do take yeah. you a little more seriously, right? It, it is true. It, sorry, there's like a bug flying around the, the studio. Yeah, if you're watching, if you're not watching you the like, podcast, if you hear random sounds, that's the, Mike's trying arm. to avoid <laughs> this fly that entered our space. All right, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Um, so yeah, so um, you know, I think I think that's good. I think. I think that kind of shares why we don't do it. But um, but yeah, so just know that like there is there's potentially when you're wealthy, even family and friends. And that's rough too. like, you know, so I'm I know I'm I try to be a very giving person. Um, I'm very grateful to have very giving people in my life. Like a lot of times I go out to, to meals with friends or with with my like my in-laws and everybody's like quick to try and pay. Right. And like nobody has that feeling of like, I don't want to. But then there's other times you go with people and you kind of get this like they expect you to pay because you make more. And then it, it can create like an awkward feeling of like, mm -hmm. why, why are you my responsibility? And, and so you just have to be prepared for that. So good. You have anything else to say on that or no, that, that I think we expounded on that enough. Good. Um, quick one. I'm not going to do the whole story, but the walls of Babylon kind of uh, the city being attacked over and over, but the walls kind of kept the people safe, but it kind of, the story emphasized this, this human need for security, mm -hmm. right? Which it, it really is like of, you know, whether or not you follow or believe like the, what's the Maslow's hierarchy oh, yeah. of needs, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, whether or not you, you completely conform to that, the ideology, there is something I think to be said for, we all desire to, to feel secure and safe. Well, you function better. Yeah. I mean, just like even hormones and stuff like I, I, I like when you're stressed out, when you're worried about the future, it starts to affect your all kinds of things in your physical health. Like you can physically get sick when you're when you're not feeling safe whether it's financially emotionally you know physically whatever it is and so one of the ideas here is wealth if used properly can kind of become those walls of babylon it can become mm -hmm. um, a protection for you you can have insurance and ways of protecting yourself which allows you happiness so even though money doesn't buy happiness all the time right the kind of the old saying goes but what it can do is provide you a, a, a kind of a safety net where that's one less stress that you have in your life. Oh, agreed. I mean, and again, I will tell you being debt free and then accumulating savings was one of the best moments of my life. I, I, huge. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, something happens, right. Or like the car breaks down or I forgot to pay this or it shouldn't happen at all. But you know what I mean? Like something huge happens you know, your whole, your whole demeanor can change depending on where you are financially. Yep. Right. Where now I can't think of the last time I've, and again, this could, I could lose everything tomorrow, but I can't think of the last time I stressed about finances. I mean, it's been, it's been years and I'm not saying that to be braggadocious. It's just the security of, like you said, building those, you know, building those, I guess, 
walls of savings, mm-hmm. right? Establishes a safe place, right? Because it's it's not necessarily about being wealthy. It's about being budget. Right. And that's not even the right way to use that word. No. But, but, but we're going to understand what you're saying. But we're going to go with it. Like you live within those constraints and there's freedom within those constraints. Yep. And it's hard to do, but I got to tell you, it's so worth it. It is. Yeah. And, and I think debt kind of is, is kind of leads into the next story, which the next two stories were interesting because there was a lot of like slave talk. But then once I, I read through it a couple of times, I'm really digging into it. And, and you see like the slavery that it talks about really is kind of like a metaphor for debt. Like it really connects directly mm-hmm. to this idea of debt. And there was this one, um, the, the camel trader of Babylon and a guy was doing okay, but he got into a bunch of debts with friends and, and lenders. Um, he ended up, his wife ended up leaving him and he like allowed it because he was concerned about how he could afford to like help keep the family safe and happy and fed. And so he ends up leaving to try and get some wealth, gets captured, becomes a slave. And in the process, um, one of the slavers, like wives, I think it was, tells him, you have, do you have the mind of a free person or the mind of a slave? And and he was kind of trying to figure out what she meant. And, and he was explaining about her debt. And she goes, kings, this was an interesting quote, something to the effect of kings war against their enemies and your enemy is debt. Mm-hmm. Right. And this thing of like, you need to be willing uh, to fight against it. You need to be willing to actually like debt is a malicious, destructive thing in your life. And you need to be vigilant about fighting against it. And here's one of the quotes she says. She says, how can you call yourself a free man when your weakness has brought you to this? If a man has in himself the soul of a slave, will he not become one no matter what his birth is, even as water seeks its level? If a man has within himself the soul of a free man, Will he not become respected and honored in his own city in spite of his misfortune? And again, the slavery in this isn't just, you know, talking about like historical slavery, but this idea of are you going to allow yourself to become captured by debts, right? Are you going to have the mind of I can't get out of this? And so he's inspired at this point to leave, to escape, uh, to go back. And then um, she told him or he was given some advice, do this, save 10%. Mm-hmm. right rule number one save 10 percent. then there was another one i think this one is great this one is the, the first time it talks about what to do if you're in debt okay so it says save 10 percent. live with the other seven or with 70 percent. okay mm-hmm. so all of the food that you eat the house that you live in do not go above 70 percent. if you make more in a month you can spend up to the 70 percent. if you make less than a month stay in that 70 percent. so cut back what you're eating cut back the clothes that you wear whatever it is then 20 percent goes to your debtors, right? Pay the 20%, 10% to yourself, 20% to the debtors. And then the guy starts to give this story about how he was able to to get his wife back and start his family going again. And he went to these lenders and they weren't all happy about the idea. But within a year, he was able to save money based off of the job he was doing and pay off his debt. When the year was over- So he was like an indentured servant. Right. So he- and and he had his own job, like one of one of his one of the debtors basically gave him like a trade that he can do. Mm-hmm. And he paid 20% to all of the different debtors, 70% he kept, 10% he's or he he lived on, and 10% he saved. So not only when he was debt-free did he walk out debt-free, but he actually had accumulated wealth. Mm-hmm. He had something that was his, which he had never had before. And at that point, it was this idea of the the the, the life of a free man. Um well, I think it's very, I mean, it's you know, there's this biblical principle, right? The rich rule over the poor and the debtor is slave to the lender, mm-hmm. right? Which 
I think it's very true. I mean, think about it. If you've had debt, right, you're always paying, like no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. There's only a couple other situations where you could end up like that too. Yep. But I want to take it a step further. I think, and, I, and the richest man in Babylon doesn't take it in this direction, but I, I think in your nine to five, I think the same scenario plays. And and when I say nine to five, it's it, it could be any, it doesn't have to be those hours. It could be anything that you're working where you are dependent on that company or that employer to provide your needs. Right. And I, I and I, I'm going to push this really hard because I think one of the things that I, I'm, I'm glad I did. And one of the things that I think many of you out there have already done is put yourself in a position, whether you left your nine to five or you're in your nine to five, you put yourself in a position that you are not whatever an indentured servant, whatever you want to call it to your employer. Right. So there comes a place where, we share all these principles, and I think the richest man in Babylon isn't just about being rich as, as far as financially, but being rich so that you can be in a place that, like, if you're done, and I, I don't want to use the term like anymore, if you're in a similar place where you're done, and it's, it's you know, maybe your integrity is pushed, or maybe, you know, the working conditions are something you can't do anymore, or you're taking away way too much from your family, or you know, whatever scenario may run that you are free based on, you know, what you've accumulated on the principle that we've discussed, whether it be through reselling or some other avenue that you can break free, right? You have that option. That's what we, I think is most important out of all of this is having options because when you don't have options, I think it's a bad place to be. Yeah. I, I think I agree with what you're saying. I wouldn't argue with that. Um, I do also think, though, at least to articulate my point of view on this, is um, you should be building up savings. You should be making that savings work for you, all of these principles, so that way you have assets, you have mm -hmm. fallback that you can fall onto. However, I also don't think that there's anything wrong, and, and I know you wouldn't say there's anything wrong mm -hmm. with it either, but I don't think, and I just want to clarify for what I, what I believe on this, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a job that is less than glamorous, doing a job that mm -hmm. maybe stinks and you're doing it to support your family, you're doing it because- Or that's, for a greater cause. And that's the opportunity that you have or, or the only opportunity you have in the given time. Like, you know, there's people out there working two or three jobs and they can feel like I'm a slave to these people. But if they're doing it to, to, to care for their family, if they're living within their means, if they're budgeting well and they're taking care of their family, then in reality- they're they're using those things and yet it it can stink to have a boss that is is cruel or is is not you know empathetic and maybe doesn't do things the way you'd like to or treats you poorly that would be terrible but maybe you're in a position where you can't just walk away and there is i think a lot of honor and a lot of um praise that is is due to people who are in those jobs to support their families and i i think work is a good thing right no so, i agree i agree i just if it, there ever comes a time and place where it's time to move on, you can move on. That's all I'm saying. Like it, I've, we're, we've never been opposed to the nine to five. I'm not opposed to the nine to five. I struggle ever getting back into the nine to five, you know, but ultimately I, I think in all that we're discussing here, I think we're talking about whatever term you want to use it. You want to call it freedom. You want to call it ROI. You want to call it stability. You want to call it security, whatever you want to call it. 
you want to be in a good place financially to be able to have those options. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, I think, um, if you're saving, I mean, just think about this principle. Let's say you're stuck in a, a dead end job that you can't stand for five years, just five years, okay? Which really isn't that <laughs> long. That's a long about time. It. I mean, it's a long time, but like in the course of your life, like if, if you can get out of it in five years and get to something better, that's great. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's five years of just miserable and you're saving 10% every single month. Mm-hmm. That's what, 1.2 months of your salary every year you've saved up? Mm-hmm. So, in those five years, if you ended up getting laid off and they they treated you poorly and you were just kicked out the door, you've got like over half a year of money that you can just sit on the couch and do nothing. And not that you would. But there's plenty of entrepreneurs that have done that and they've made it to the next level. Yeah. Like not even the next level, like far past the next level by doing that. Doing more than 10%. Yep. Doing like saving 80. I mean, there's a whole movement out there. Of people that have saved, you know, ninety percent and lived on the ten percent. That's crazy. So, so it's out there. Yep. It's out there. I wish I could have done that. Yeah, I mean, in a different place right now. I I did the math one time for my students, um, because right out of high school, I was I got a pretty good job and I was making decent money, and I blew it on stupid stuff. Like I got like rims for my car and stereo systems for I've been my there. car. And you know what I mean? Like all the stuff that's super important. Like there was one time I'm really ashamed to say this, but I hated doing laundry. And I'm like 19 years old and I'm making pretty good money. So I just go to the store and like buy new clothes all the time. Wow. You know what I mean? That's, Instead a, of, that's next level, Mike. So that's, I mean, it's really bad, but like I would do that. Um, and so it, anyways, it, I, I did the math from one time. I said like when I graduated high school and I, the money that I was making, if I would have just for, for three years, two years, stayed at home with my parents and saved every penny. Mm-hmm. And then I did the math of like, money doubling every seven to 10 years. So even if you went 10 years to be, you know, a little conservative, it was like, I would probably be a millionaire already. Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. just crazy to think. Um, but yeah, so if you're young, do it. And if you're older, just going back to the quote of the week from several months ago, the best (laughs) time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Uh, the second best time is today. Agreed. Agreed. Right, do, right. do you have any one, more to add? One, one more. Oh, yeah, one. one more. Um, okay. and, and it really is just kind of what we talked about. And it was a really bizarre story. So if you had my edition, you read it. Um, <laughs> it was it was a little bizarre. Like, I, I won't lie. Uh, but it was kind of, and I think you would push back against this one. Um, oh, so we're going to end on this kind of note. Boy, not, I, I don't think, I would never argue with you on this one. But so, again, slaves coming into Babylon and... Basically, one of the slaves looks to the other and says, like, if you end up getting put on the building, the king's palace, the brick moving job, it's like the worst. You end up dying early. Like, it's, it's a terrible job. They beat you. It's not good. Right. And he's like, well, how do I avoid that? And he goes, well, you've got to be like, you've got to convince like people who want to buy slaves that you're a really hard, good worker because it's better to have any other job than that job. Right. And so he ends up becoming assistant to a baker by convincing this baker he'll work really what hard. What edition of the book is this? I, hey, it's it's in there. So he ends up becoming assistant to the baker, does really well there, works really, really hard, and ends up asking the baker this opportunity. I want to work extra. So I'm doing all the work you're asking me to do. Like, what if after hours I work in your shop and I make these things and I sell them and then you can keep three quarters of all the profit and I can just keep like a little bit of it for myself? And the baker was all for it. He ended up helping make the baker even more money. He ended up making his own money, was able to buy his freedom. And then um, crazy turn of events, ends up getting put back into slavery. And then his friend, who he taught this, another slave, of work really hard 
ends up buying him out of slavery. But again, this idea of kind of like debts, and I think that part of it is working, working that job that might not be glamorous, right? And I know when when I think when we say work really hard, we sometimes we're on we're talking about the same thing, but we're using different words. So I do think that you should be the hardest worker in any room. However, is it possible to be at a place where you're being abused and you're working hard and it's not paying off and maybe you'd be best spent working somewhere else? Yes. However, if you're the hardest working person in any room, most of the time it's going to work out for you. Yeah, I do push back against that because you might just end up being the hardest person working in that room and you might be in that room for the next 20, 30 years. Well, then you're not then you're not being very smart either. I think, and I think that's why, why we're talking like, I'm not saying just move rocks back and forth in the room. Yeah. Right. I, I just would say, you know, again, I'm very big on like understanding who you are and being aware. Like you don't want to just go like, Oh, I'm done with this job. I'm, I'm going to go f- on my own and do this. Right. Like, Hey, you know, if, if I were to leave and go, Mike, I'm going to be one of those Instagram health people. Like that would be the poorest decision I can make, right? And if you're watching YouTube, you'll understand. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is like, I need to be self-aware. Now, if I were to say, hey, Mike, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this rat race and I think I have the ability, you know, let's say this is before you knew me, I could go full time in reselling and here's what I've done so far. And then, then yeah, you know, but the, the key thing is I would say, yeah, you got to be in that. I mean, I, I can't disagree with it either. I mean, there's times where I took on, I worked at In-N-Out Burger, which I loved for six months, but that's because I really didn't know about reselling, right? But in the end, it helped keep my family in a good place financially yeah. and it was worth it. No, no right? That, that's true. And I think, Could I do it over? I would probably would have done eBay or Amazon. Yeah, well, of course. I, and I think too, we're always going to push, not push, but like we value highly the 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 reselling world, right? Well, the scalability. I mean, yeah, the but, ability but, but to make what you but want. The, 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 the truth goes to that too. If you're, if you're the hardest working, if you work as hard as you possibly can work in reselling, you're going, to, it's going to benefit you, right? Hopefully. And, and, I mean, again, I, I think even there, you got to be careful. Like you can work really hard at reselling, but if you're not sourcing the right stuff, you're not, you know. Yeah, that's why I'm saying right we're saying the same things. Like I think, yeah, I think we got to kind of like, don't do stupid things, right? Like you can work really hard at something stupid <laughs> yeah. and just move a rock from one side of the room to the other back yeah. and forth. That's not going to get you money. You've got to be, you've got to do mm-hmm. smart okay. work. So that out of the way, right? I firmly believe that like the point I'm trying to make is like, let's say you were to go work at Home Depot and you're going to start as a, a cart boy. If you're the hardest working cart boy or cart girl out there, chances are when a promotion is available and of course there's politics and it, you it, you be, be at a weird place. But most of the time, if you're, Working really hard, you move up to the next position. If you, you know the right people. It. It's all about knowing the people. It can be, but you're a little jaded there. I no, think. I am not. I Listen, comments. Is it more important to know the right people or to work hard? I will say nine out of 10 is knowing the right people. 100%. I think that's part of it. I think you're right. I think I think if, you, if you're on the bad side of the wrong people or if somebody's on the really good side of the right person, but I think I think the general rule is if you work really hard, you're going to move up. And if they don't see your value, somebody else sees it, right? Whether it's somebody's like, I've never seen somebody push carts as as fast as you, as much as you come work for my my company because I want to make money, right? And you're good. And I could use you on a register, right? Somebody, it's I'm not saying you stay in the job you're at, but if you're willing to work really hard, it's going to pay off for you. This is a whole nother conversation. 
All right. So, hey, Rigid Man in Babylon, hope you gained a lot from it. Make sure you, you know, apply what principles you believe are important to you. Uh, you know, it, it's had made, it's challenged me that I got to do a better job of, you know, investing what I have, right? Because I'm very big on building capital. I'm putting it back into the business. But, you know, I got to make, I got to make that gold multiply like the flocks of the field. Yeah. That's where we're at. So anything, any last moment, you know, last second thoughts here before we bring it to a close? No, I don't think so. Make sure, uh, let us know what you think of the Level Up reviews. Remember, our next book that we're going to be doing is... Please be kind, though. Yeah. I mean, this might not be your cup of tea. And if it's not your cup of tea, if you got some great, you know, constructive feedback, we'd love to hear it. Um, If it's just See, Mike's a fan of constructive feedback. I am too. But I don't know. That's always a hard one to ask. (laughs) Well, you know. <laughs> I, li- I like living in ignorance sometimes there we go i'll just be real so um next book that we're doing <laughs> tim ferris's four-hour work week which i'm interested to see because i've I, i've kind of heard some of the principles of it yeah we've we have not read this book we have no yeah. idea about it it sounds kind of interesting because as resellers i know for a fact there's no way you could only work four hours a week but i'm interested I think it's to more see than that. I, I, I'm interested to see how it how it turns out. So. Hey, but we hope Richest Man in Babylon did a lot for you. I hope it, you know, some of you, these were new concepts and new ideas. And those of you that have already applied some of this, maybe reinforce some ideas for you. But overall, helped us all level up because that's the purpose of the level up review. So with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.